Start Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome. It is episode 131 of We Are Going Up and... It is the penultimate show of the season. Violins at the ready. I'm Mark Crossley. Alongside me this week, two men who were in slightly different locations uh, last weekend. Uh, Jim Knight was at Wembley, uh, lapping up the free hospitality. How was it? Yeah, it was very, very good. I was very privileged to uh, witness such an enthralling mm. FA Cup final. Prawn very, sandwiches? Very were they nice? No, no no prawn sandwiches. There's uh, some some duck and some mash and things like that and some nice cakes and things. But, it's like yeah, another world, Very, very it? nice. It's like another world. David Cameron Walker is here. Hello. Uh, you were not at Wembley. I wasn't. You were in Tel Aviv. Yes. How was it? Of all places, eh? Uh, I still watch the, the, the game. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, I watched Good. the game and the Spanish game as well. Oh, at the same amazing! Time, Perfect, which was wonderful. But the um, Israeli TV service once it went to extra t- extra time at Wembley, mm. the the German Cup final had also started oh, yeah. uh, between Bayern and Dortmund. Bruce, don't and man. so they obviously weren't expecting extra time in the FA Cup final. So they kept switching back for like ten minute chunks between the German <laughs> final and the Cup final, which was fine by me. But they, all the Arsenal fans oh, who God. found themselves in Tel Aviv were going mental, and about ten of them were huddled round someone's sky go in the corner <laughs> for, for intermittent periods which was good brilliant okay well maybe more stories from Tel Aviv to come later no okay. none, none fit for court oh there is one no, no, there is, it's not really a story but uh, let's see if you can I mean, there's a lot to choose from but I was sitting in front of a play on the way home on the flight on Sunday night back to Luton from Tel Aviv I was sitting directly Yossi in front Benin. of a football league player from the championship I'll narrow it down from the oh, championship wow. okay is he Israeli no, no, not not Israeli. All oh, right, okay. Uh, oh god, this could go on forever. Yeah. Uh, well, can we come back to this later? Yes. You um, want, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it later because I've got a playoff quiz for you now. So can you just close, turn off your monitors, oh, close your laptop because it's playoff weekend. Uh, we are going to do a bit of a playoff quiz for you. Now, last week we spoke to Owen Brown. I always lose these quizzes. I'm always stitched up. <laughs> last right, I think week might be in with a bit of luck this week. Last week we spoke to Owen Bradley and Charlie Ashcroft about Derby QPR. So we're going to focus on Leagues 1 and 2 uh, mainly this week. So all that's coming up in a minute. So uh, hang on there for guests, OK? Let's hope this doesn't go on too long. Right, playoffs. Um, oh, God, you need a bit of piece of paper, don't you? First you of all. Yeah. Right. Scribble on something. Yeah. You've got any... Paper anyone? We should have planned this. I know, yeah. Well, you should have planned it. I didn't yeah. know it was happening. Surprise <laughs> quiz. Can't blame us. Yeah. Right, there you go. There is pen. pen. Hang on. I've got a pencil over here. Got a pencil. Big oh, there, there we go. go. Right, there you go. Okay, right. We're sorted. Should have done that before I started recording this. Classic Stadler, Stadler HP pencil here. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, it's, right. I don't find these anymore. You still find them. Okay, so here we go. Question number one. So scribble down your answers, then we'll review at the end. Okay. In 1997, David Hopkins scored a famous last-minute goal at Wembley to win Crystal Palace promotion to the Premier League. But who did they beat 1-0? That's question one. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim's already shaking his head. I don't know, do I? 1997. Play along at home. It's not like you were born in the 90s, mate. I know, but... That was around Leicester's heyday. Okay, question two. This is quite a tough one. Of the 20 managers who remained in the Premier League at the end of this season, so the final, you know, the last day of the season, all 20 managers in the Premier League, how many of them have won a promotion as a manager via the Football League playoffs? So... uh the ones that were still in a job. Correct. Yes, so I will include Tim Sherwood and all that, even though he obviously hasn't. So it's not easy this, but of the 20 managers in charge of Premier League clubs at the end of this season, how many of them have won a promotion as a manager via the Football League playoffs? Uh, by the way, if I've got any of these questions wrong because I wrote them myself, please do feel free to get in touch and tweet us. Via the, via the playoffs? Indeed, yeah. Not necessarily with a club that we've now. 
<laughs> Jim's not happy. Okay. I feel like I've walked into an ambush here. This okay. Chaos. Question three. You need a bit more time on that one. Okay, well, maybe we'll give you the answers later. In the- well, no, because then you're going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. Okay. Just, crack on with it. I'm, I'm going to get, get zero, so okay. let's get it over with. Question three. Only one team have been promoted via the playoffs from all three divisions. Who are they? One club has been promoted from uh, equivalent of League Two, League One, and the Championship via the playoffs. Who are they? Two more questions to come. Question four. Paul Dickoff scored one of the most famous playoff goals ever in Manchester City's 2-2 draw with Gillingham uh, in 1999. But who scored for City in the 90th minute of that game to get their first goal, which everyone thought was a consolation? Dickoff scored in the 95th. Paul Dickoff got the equaliser. Who scored Manchester City's first goal that day against Gillingham? And question five. Inarguably, the greatest playoff final ever... Charlton won promotion on penalties after drawing 4 all with Sunderland in 1998. There was a hat-trick by Clive Mendonca in that game. I think he was a Sunderland fan, actually, wasn't he? Um, who scored the other goal for Charlton? That's testing your knowledge. So, those five questions on our big playoff quiz. We might have done something similar last season, I can't remember. We did. I won. I'd just like to put that on record. Oh, did you? I'm not going to win today. <laughs> Okay, right. So those are the questions. Can I have your answers, please? Can, I, can you just give me 30 seconds more on the manager one? Because I really want to get it all. Okay, I'll right. As much got. time as well, you want, mate. While you're doing that, I'll tell you what's coming up in the show then. Okay. Um, uh, later on, we're gonna, we are going to talk briefly about Derby against QPR. Uh, but if you do want a full preview of that, we covered it in depth last week. So uh, go back on iTunes or SoundCloud to listen there. Uh, this week, it's all about Leagues 1 and 2. Two clubs who've played each other seven times in the last two years, Fleetwood and Burton. We're going to uh, review their semi-final wins and preview the game with Rob Stock, Fleetwood reporter for the Blackpool Gazette, and David Broom, sports reporter at the Burton Mail. So that will be later. Uh, but um, in League One on Sunday, we've got uh, another cracking game. It's uh, Leighton Orient, who finished third and beat Peterborough in the playoffs against Rotherham, who finished fourth and beat Preston. So we will be hearing shortly from uh, Andy Brown. Uh, Andy is the uh, Leighton Orient blogger for our website, wearegoingup.co.uk. So we'll speak to Andy soon. Uh, and in just a second, I'm going to play in an interview we've done already with Dom Housen. But first, the answers to the questions, please. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Pass so. them this way so you can't cheat. There's a lot of question marks on mine. So that's NA. Well, this is poor, Jim. I know. Okay, Sorry. right. Question one. In 97, David Hopkins scored a famous last minute goal to win uh, promotion to the Premier League for uh, Palace. Who was it against? Jim, you said? No one. I can't know, do I? DC. Sheffield United. Correct. Good. Hold on, mate. 1-0 to DC. Question number two. Of the 20 managers who remain in the Premier League at the end of this season, how many have won a promotion as manager via the playoffs? Jim. I guess three. DC. Four. Okay, I'll tell you the ones I've got. Are they the same four as yours? I oh, know they're not the same four as yours, but here we go. Uh, the four that I've got are as follows. Alan Pardew yes. with West Ham in 2005. Sam Allardyce yes. with West Ham in 2012. Steve Bruce yes. with Birmingham in 2002. And the other one I've got is Brendan Rodgers with Swansea in 2011. Oh, Brendan. And you've Pulis, gone for Tony Pulis. Pulis. Not get one, I don't he? think he did. I looked not it up. He, he didn't get one. Okay. He came very close to Gillingham, as we just said, mm. with a Dickoff goal. Um, uh, so, uh, no points given. That's still 1 0 to DC. Question three. Uh, only one team have been promoted via the players from all three divisions. Who are they? Jim. I went for Swansea. DC. Blackpool. Blackpool, it is. Come on. They beat Balls. Orient Division 3 2001. They beat Yeovil League 1 2007. Uh, Cardiff Championship 2010. Manchester City's first goal against Gillingham in 99. Uh, Jim. 
I don't know. DC. <laughs> Kevin Horlock. Correct. Kevin Horlock. And question five, in arguably the greatest playoff final ever where Clive Mendonca scored a hat-trick, who scored the other Charlton goal? Jim. I went for Chris Powell. DC. The, the lols. I complete. I've got no idea whether this is correct. We're just having the dark. Carl Lieburn. Richard Rufus. Oh, Rufus. Big big header. Big, um, Should have got that. Yeah, big header from My the corner, if I remember. Rufus. Not after Richard Rufus. <laughs> but. Well, there you go. DC, congratulations. Here's the at music. Last. You have won a quiz. Come on. On We Are Going Up. Right at the end of the season. Anyway, I right, hope you enjoyed that. And, you, and if I did get any of those wrong, I apologise. That was all my own research. We'll declare it null and void. Let's talk about some uh, playoff action, shall we? Right, let's start with a game that's happening on Sunday. Uh, it's, uh, as I just said, it's going to be a cracker, I think. This is uh, Leighton Orient against Rotherham. A few minutes ago, uh, we uh, before we did that silly quiz, we spoke to Dom Housen from the Sheffield Star. Uh, Dom uh, covers uh, loads of different clubs uh, in, uh, in South Yorkshire, but uh, obviously one of them is Rotherham. He was there for the, uh, the second leg against Preston, uh, which they won by three goals to one to win 4-2 on aggregate. And I started by asking Dom if that was one of Rotherham's best performances of the season so far. Uh, definitely uh, and in fact probably one of the best performances that I've seen if not the best from a, a South Yorkshire side uh, this season uh, they just they were they were excellent to a man um, they, they were better than Preston over the two legs and uh, thoroughly deserved to, to win by uh, you know the 4-2 margin and uh, they, they just had too much firepower um, quality and, and played at a tempo that uh, Preston couldn't live with and uh, yeah I, you know it, it bodes well for what's going to be a, a cracking final this weekend Speaking of quality the main threat really the star of the show Ben Pringle with two fantastic deliveries for, for the Wes Thomas and Frecklington goals hit the bar with a, a wonderful volley uh, he's looked good pretty much every time I've seen Rotherham do well this season on the Football League show he, he seems to have been involved if if the promotion is achieved uh, at Wembley, it's going to be really key to hold on to him. Well, yeah, and he's massively important in the final. He's got a huge part to play. When he's really on his game, he really makes the team tick. And so uh, it's important, like particularly in the second leg, where he, there's no doubt he was the outstanding player on the park. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it's imperative from a Rotherham point of view, if they're to prevail, that Ben Pringle produces an eight or nine out of ten performance, and he's just he's, he's just got so much ability um, from a dead ball situation, or even in open play. If, if you give him too much time on the ball with his left foot, you know he will hurt opposition defenses, uh, as he's proved time and time again this season. And you know, and, and the fact of the matter is, he was named in the League One. Uh, you know, team of the season, uh, absolutely de- uh, deserved to be there. Um, uh, you know, amongst several Wolves players, um, and, and he was, he was, he was just, you know, he's been terrific this year, and uh, you know, he certainly is one of those who wouldn't look out of place in the championship well, if Robin were to get that. It was those corner deliveries; they were delivered so flat every single time. You know, perfect accuracy, and he, he just stood out. Sort of, uh, you know, he's clearly the, the best player on the pitch. Um, and I was just wondering, Dom, going into this game, because obviously Robin have lost at Wembley before, uh, 2010 to Dagenham uh, in the playoff final in League Two. Then going into this game, how different does the club feel to the club of 2010? You know, back. Then then the Don Valley administration points deduction right now new stadium playing brilliant football a manager who just seems to be on fire wherever he goes at the minute it must feel like an entirely different club oh yeah there's a real feel good factor about this football club and you know they're going for back to back promotions uh, this is the second year that they've been now at the New York Stadium um, 
you know, I was actually in the office yesterday um, with a couple of other Rotherham fans, and you compare this team to that one four years ago when they lost three two to Dagenham, and it's it is completely chalk and cheese. I know that you know, they were in League Two at the time, and now they're in League One, and so yeah, you'd expect there to be uh, you know a huge difference in quality, and there really is. It's just you know, or, or you know, can across their starting eleven, um, they have just got some gems uh, in people like Ben Pringle. Kieran Agard's had a tremendous season. Um, Leif Recklington uh, on his day is, is one of the best central midfielders, I think, in League One. Um, and then, you know, Craig Morgan has been a tower of strength at centre half. But, um, yeah, you know, Tony Stewart, the chairman, he has to take an enormous amount of credit um, for really turning and transforming this club's fortunes. And, uh, you know, let's not forget, I mean, they're looking. They're looking to get back into the championship. They, they've not been at, at that level uh, for 10 years. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's been a lot of problems, administrations, as you touched on that. They, they've had to go through a lot of hardship and difficult times of, as everyone connected with Rotherham. Um, now we go into Sunday's match and they've got the opportunity of, of getting back into the second tier of English football. So... It's all looking. It's all, there really are exciting times, and uh, you know Tony Stewart. He struck gold with the appointment of Steve Evans. He is a winner. He, he gets players playing for them to their absolute maximum, and uh, you know again, no one should forget or underestimate. You know Steve Evans is effectively going for his fourth promotion in a row. So, <laughs> you know, he played a huge hand when Crawley went up a couple yeah. of years ago. He left them in a position where, you know, it would have taken a huge stumble for them not to make the top three. So People can say Steve a lot, of, thing, lot of things about Steve Evans, but you, you can't say he doesn't know how to manage a football team, can you? Oh, he's really... Oh, yeah, I, you know, personally, in, in my dealings with him, I've found him a joy to work with, actually. You know, he is a really colourful... Character, um, you know, for, for the rim press, he gives you some. I mean, well, for everybody, he gives you great material to work with. But he, he just, he, he's got a great eye for a player, and you know, he he's turned so many of the players who he's brought in. He's made them just better and and, and play to the maximum, and they love playing for him. And he, and he, fact of the matter is, he, he just he knows how to get results. What about Late Orient then, Dom? Obviously, both sides have, have played twice this season, played each other, both sides beat each other, in fact, this season. So there's not a lot to kind of choose between them looking at that. Both sides are very impressive in their semi-final playoff wins as well. So both go into it with a, a head of steam. Um, do you expect it to be really tight or do you expect both teams to try and play that kind of free-flowing attacking football that we've seen over the last week or so? I would be really surprised if there's not goals in the final. I just I look at both teams... I look at the strikers, um, the, the players in that final third. I, I, I could be wrong. It could be goalless. It might be a ball draw. They might cancel each other out. But I just don't see it. I, you know, I look at Leighton or inside, and you know, Dean Cox. I mean, what a, a phenomenal year he's had. I think what sixteen goals and double figure for assists. You know, so I mean, he's the, he's the danger man for Rotherham. I, I think he's the one that uh, you know Steve Evans will be drilling into his side. To keep him quiet, it's imperative if they're going to get the job done. That I think you know Dean Cox is uh, where a lot of the danger will lie for Leighton Orient. There's no doubt about that. He's been a consistent performer for them throughout the campaign, and so yeah, they they know that they've got to watch him very carefully. Um, but then you know you you can't go 
you can't look past the front two either. You know, particularly in the first half of the season when Leighton Orient started off like a brain. <laughs> you know, Kevin Lisby and and I think David Mooney were banging in the goals and you know, virtually every every single match. So, you know, Rotherham will be very very thorough and prepared and will know exactly what they have to do to counter the threat that Leighton Orient will pose. Um, I have no doubt about that. But at the same time. Yeah, flipping back to Rotherham with Kieran Agar, 26 goals. You know, Alex Revels chipped in, I think, with 11 or so. Ben Pringle's got half a dozen or so. Leif Reckington, I think, had his best ever season with goals, 11 or 12. I just can't see it ending nil-nil. Um, <laughs> I really can't. And, Is everyone fit? Um, uh, yeah, well, they have. The, um, it will be in a couple of days where um, yeah, Steve Evans is going to have his next pre-match briefing. Um, but yeah, um, at the moment, I think there were a lot of doubts going into the second leg over Pringle and Agard's fitness and one or two others. But yeah, I, as, as far as I'm aware, at the moment um, they were they, they were going to have everyone fit and going to have a full complement of players to choose from. And the last question I wanted to ask you, Dom. Um, I noticed on Twitter during the semi-final that they've um, they've renamed the press room, haven't they? After one of your colleagues at Rotherham who is going to be reporting on his last game after how many years? It's 45 years 45 uh, years yeah Les Payne he has covered um, Rotherham United so yeah it was a tremendous tribute from the club I actually I had known about it for a couple of weeks that they were doing that but <laughs> um, it was it was very thoughtful of them and I richly deserved he, uh, he in fact just before the kickoff uh, in, the, in the second leg at the New York Stadium they also um, the Rotherham chairman Tony Stewart presented him uh, with a signed shirt um, in front of the fans and uh, I'm pretty sure that I heard quite um, quite a lot of Rotherham United fans when he was on the pitch briefly Les uh, chanting there is only one Les Payne um, wow. so uh, yeah that was uh, it was very touching it was, it was a great night and uh, yeah I mean you really couldn't have asked for a better send off than um, your last game to be reporting at Wembley <laughs> that was Dom Housen from the Sheffield Star talking to us a little bit earlier and uh, earlier on we also caught up with uh, Andy Brown who writes the uh, Leighton Orient blogs for our website wearegoingup.co.uk wanted to get an Orient fans perspective on Sunday's game uh, Andy uh, was on a train when we spoke to him but the uh, reception held up pretty well and uh, I started by asking Andy uh, if he was nervous or confident going into Sunday's match? I'm nervous. I mean, um, I was nervous before both the playoff games as well, but we've been playing some awesome football this season. You know, we finished third deservedly and, you know, we're playing some, we're playing some great football and this group of lads, as, as we say at the club, they never give up. So, you know, we're confident that we can do something this year um, and, you know, we've got as good a chance as we've ever had of, of, of beating some, of beating Rotherham in the final. So, who knows? There, <laughs> it depends what happens on the day. Is there a sense... Uh, at the club that perhaps this is a really you know that there's this opportunity has to be seized right now because if you weren't to yeah. do it at Wembley you know some of the players that have been outstanding for you this season Dean Cox Kevin Lisby David Mooney Moses Adebayo you know they may not be there people might come in look how well they've done for you and try and tempt them with, with moves up to to bigger clubs with, with more money and it could all dismantle this summer if you don't yeah. get up I think that's a really good point and of course we in fact, a few of us have said, you know, if it doesn't happen this time, is it is it never going to happen? Um, you know, in, in a way that, you know, if you look at someone like Brentford, the way they've kind of built a sort of infrastructure and they've had investment and they've been getting gradually closer each year and they missed out last year, but they did it this year. You know, we're, we're probably not at that stage yet. You know, we've got a good group of players that have been together for two, three years now and we've got a real solidity and, and, and sort of, 
understanding between the players. So you're right. If we were to lose Moses, if we were to lose Dean Cox, if we were to lose Lloyd James, uh, Elliot Omazuzi, you know, those those are really key players for us. And, you know, if that group breaks up, then it might take us a long time to kind of recover that. And in terms of the support at the weekend, I saw a tweet from uh, Matt Porter, who's your chief exec, saying you've sold over 20,000 tickets. That's right. And Barry Hearns ordered another five. So, um, so, so yeah, we've... Uh, we sold 8,000 season ticket holders, of which obviously I, we, I think we, my, me and my family took about six. And then um, we sold 8,000 in the first couple of days. We sold 12,000 yesterday on the, in the first day of general sale, and we've ordered another 5,000. So I'd say that's pretty impressive. And for a club like Orient to uh, take the extra allocation, you know, we're pretty proud of that, really, because we're not necessarily considered to be one of the massive clubs out there. So, you know, we, we, you know it's going to be good support, I think, for us. And I think... I don't know what Rotherham's ticket sales look like, but I, whether they, I doubt they're keeping pace with ours at the minute. We've spoken a few times about um, Orient's kind of form because obviously you started the season like an absolute train and kind of went off on this brilliant winning run and you, you finished strongly and you know, you've know you got your just desserts in a, in a playoff final when any other year maybe your points total would have seen you go up automatically. So tell us how yeah. much of a good job Russell Slade has done because I don't think that can be understated in this, can it? No, it's brilliant because we've had a small squad. You know, we haven't had the depth. I mean, nobody's had the sort of budget Wolves have had. And, you know, it was, it was understandable. They were head and shoulders above everyone in the league. But Russell Slade had a small squad to play with. And as soon as we had a serious injuries, not serious injuries, but major injuries, for example, Jamie Jones, the keeper, you know, that, that's when we had our dip in form, when we lost a few key players, which is what we thought would happen. But actually, the way we bounced back after a couple of setbacks every time was incredible. And that's a testament to Russell Slade. It's a testament to the way the players react to him. It's the way they react to each other. It's the way they play for each other. And that really shows this season. And, you know, you do sort of feel if, if it's going to happen, it's got to happen on, on Sunday, you know. So he's, he's been amazing, though. I mean, he, we, you look at the, the finishes we've had. I mean, this is third-place finish, but we've had two seventh-place finishes under Slade and one blip season where, you know, we significantly... but. You know, it's been a pretty amazing time under Slade, to be fair. And he's, he's, he's got us playing football the right way and he's, he's got a stability in there. And I think that's a big thing for a club, especially for our size. Andy, just looking at, at the game then uh, on, on Sunday, it's a quite an intriguing match, I think, because you've got yourselves and Rotherham, who have both scored a lot of goals this season. Rotherham, I think, have scored one more than you in the league. But significantly, they have conceded more than you. So I think it could come down to whose defence is able to you know, stand up taller against the opposing yeah. attack. I mean, how have you been at the back this season and do you think you can hold out against that, that Rotherham attack? Yeah, I actually think it's a case of keeping Pringle quiet. I mean, one of the things is we're going to have to get Roman, Roman Bansolo or one of them, you know, probably him, to do a job on Ben, on, on ben Pringle because the guy is phenomenal. Mm. He's a really, really good midfielder. His set-piece delivery is outrageous. Uh, and they've got big lads. I mean, we know Alex Rebel because he played for us. So, in fact, he went to Rotherham from us. So, I mean, we, we know all about what their, their forward line and their midfielders. They've got a big side. They're very good from set pieces. And, you know, at the back, they're solid. But we've got, you know, we've got Clark, who's been an absolute rock. We've got Scott Cuthbert at the back at centre-back. We've got Matthew Baudry, who's a, who's a really good and creative defender. And Elliot Omazuzi has been a revelation since, since, we, since we took him back. And he's been one of the players of the season. In fact, he was the players' player of the season. So... I mean, we, we, we can deal, we're, we're much better equipped than we were in the past to deal with those, you know, good set-piece deliveries with those big, you know, those high balls. And if you'd have asked me a couple of years ago, I'd have said that's where we get beaten. But this time, I sort of feel we stand up to the big sides, you know. And, and, and also, 
you know, the more direct side. I wouldn't say Rotherham are direct. They can mix it up, which is why they're so successful. But, um, you know, they are very big and very strong and very good on set pieces. And I think if we do a job there, we've got a good chance playing around them. That was Andy Brown, Leighton Orient blogger for our website, wearegoingup.co.uk, talking to us earlier. Right, how do you see this one going? Two teams that like to play good football. I don't know, Jim, if you know exactly what the bookies are saying. Uh, what do you reckon? Um, Rotherham are slight favourites, so there's there's not a huge amount to choose between them, but yeah, they're certainly favouring Rotherham, which maybe is understandable. I'm not sure. Like It's, it's a tough one because I don't think there's a whole lot to choose between them. On that basis, I'd probably plump for Orient. I was betting on it because I don't think I, I think it is probably really close to a dead heat. So you're getting the more value on Orient. But would you uh, would you like to see a local club Orient do it and go up? I would. Yeah. It's another Watford game for you to get to, mate. And well, yeah. No, I am backing Orient. I, I've got, I had them in my. I've sort of put a treble on before the um, before the playoffs started on Derby, Orient, and Southend. <sighs> unfortunately, but uh, no, I think I would because I think you know we've been to a couple of games this season, haven't we? Mm. Um, they started so well uh, as we spoke about earlier fantastic season they've had I do think this is their you know real one big chance to go up I'm not sure that they'll be able to keep that squad together if they don't do it next season you know, Russell Slade this will be a culmination of really really good job he's one of the longest serving managers now isn't he in, in the football league and I would like to see them do it but I, I'm just looking forward to the game actually I yeah. think it's going to be a really good match I was, I re- I was really impressed with Rob yeah, I'm really so impressed that these two have made it like it's the final, I think, that most neutrals wanted just because it's going to be the best yeah. occasion. I w- like, like you, I was really impressed by Rotherham in that second leg. They were excellent. Um, Steve Evans' face when the crowd ah, invaded. Like, never mind his face. Did you see his belly bouncing oh, up and down, oh, straining against me. that shirt when they when he did his sort of Mourinho-esque run down oh, the touchline? Jesus Christ. Oh, there was a great bit at the end, though, where the, the fans were obviously too keen to invade the pitch and they came on like 30 get seconds off, before. And the look of disgust in his yeah, face. Scorn. Get off the pitch. Anyway, uh, what about Preston? Though. I mean that is nine playoffs now. <laughs> they've even, not got even Simon Grayson got together. I know in any of them, uh, they've only won one of twenty-one playoff games in normal time. That is kind of Benfica-esque, that isn't it? Mm. A proper curse, and it's such a shame for them because they only actually lost, in t- including the playoff games, forty-eight league games this season. They only lost eight games. And, yeah, uh, and they've, they've not well, I mean, like we said earlier a few weeks ago, when we were looking at the end of the season. I mean, just Brentford and Wolves were just so outstanding, weren't they? That it kind of skewed this division. The Preston, Rotherham, Leighton, or in any other season would have been right up there with the shout of automatic promotion. And Simon Grayson's done a terrific job at Preston, and I think they can they can be really disappointed yeah. of how this season's gone. But with them, I think they probably have more of a chance of keeping those, you mm. know, the squad together or, or attracting more quality additions in the summer and they should be confident of, of having a good uh, attempt at promotion again next season. But it's such a small margins, isn't it? Because they hit the woodwork twice in that game, yeah. uh, Jack King, Joe Garner, and there was the incident where Adam Collin spilled that shot and it just went an inch My favourite bit about that was the crowd reaction behind him because you could just see them as it kind of inched towards yeah. the goal. It's just that kind of slow motion. No! Yeah, hands on the, uh, on the yeah. head. Um, Peterborough, I know that Orient uh, Peterborough game was kind of played as we were recording last week, uh, so we won't talk, talk too much about it but they lost 19 games this season so you can't really expect to be no, promoted you when you lose 19 games and I, they, they won the JPT and I saw John Verrill go on a little bit of a, a friend of the friend of the show resident Peterborough fan yeah um saying that kind of he wanted to see Posh get back to what they were you know what they've built their reputation on in the last sort of four or five years conceding loads of goals yeah, scoring loads <laughs> but, being, at the other end. Know, but scoring loads at the other end, yeah. being you know playing attractive, good uh, attacking football, and and they haven't really. I don't think it's really clicked for them this year. Obviously, they won the JPT, so that's good. Mm. You know, they've been positive to take from the season, but I think you know it wouldn't have been 
really fair if you know mm. if they if they won it they won it but it, it's yeah. a fair reflection of the league form I think that they didn't make it through to the final and you know so Ferguson staying put it looks like and you know they're going to have to try and rebuild and go again next season right well uh, that game is on Sunday afternoon the, uh, the the League One playoff final between Orient and Rotherham next though we're going to talk about the game which is happening on Bank Holiday Monday six years ago both Fleetwood and Burton were in non-league now they are both at Wembley and just one game away from the third tier So the League Two playoff final, the Cod Army or the Brewers, who will it be? Uh, the sides have met an amazing seven times in less than two years, but I think it's fair to say this is the one that really matters. In a few minutes, we're going to speak to David Broom from the Burton Mail. But first, Fleetwood, led by Graham Alexander, of course, drew 0-0 with York on Friday to win 1-0 on aggregate and progress to Wembley, where they could seal their sixth promotion in 10 seasons. Earlier on, we caught up with Rob Stocks. Uh, Rob covers the club for the Blackpool. Gazette and I started by asking him if there's a real buzz in the town with less than a week to go to Wembley. There is, you, you wouldn't believe it, the uh, the number of people who were out uh, Sunday morning when the tickets went on sale and uh, there is, there's a fantastic atmosphere, not just in Fleetwood but across the whole of the Foul Coast uh, and everyone's really excited for this game. Tell us about the semi-final then because it was very, very tight. York do not concede a lot of goals and it was a very scrappy goal that won it uh, but do you think uh, Fleetwood were the better team over the two legs? I think um, if, if you look at the, the way the two sides play football, Fleetwood are, are much more of a footballing side. York are very direct. They do, as you say, defend really well. They don't concede a lot of goals. They, they probably just about edged it. It was a very nervy night at Highbury on Friday. That Matty Blair goal from, from Bootham Crescent saw them through. York, though, they came, they gave it a go. They, you know, and, and they, on any other day, would have probably deserved to take something out of the game, but it, it wasn't to be, and, and, and Fleetwood probably just about deserved finalists. How do you expect the game to go then at the weekend? Because Burton have been a very tight side this season. They've won a lot of games, 1-0. Obviously, there wasn't many goals in the playoff in, in, in your semi there with, with York. And Did you expect this to be a, a tight and a nervy encounter? I don't know, because if you look at the, uh, the, the past history of the encounters between these two clubs, there have been plenty of goals. Uh, Burton... Uh, with 3-2 winners at Highbury at the very start of the season. And then the, the game down at the Pirelli in January, which is a really bizarre one. It started at 4 o'clock after, after the pitch got soaked by a very heavy, heavy thunderstorm. Uh, that one finished 4-2 to Fleetwood, with, with Town actually scoring all six goals. There were two own goals this afternoon. So there have been goals between these two sides and, uh, and plenty of history in their, their very brief football league uh, uh, career. A brief history lesson there for those of us who uh, don't know quite as much about Fleetwood Town's uh, history as yourself. It's been quite a remarkable rise, hasn't it, over the last kind of 10 or 11 years. Um, tell us about where the kind of club was back in 2003 and, and how that kind of progress has been made. Well, the, the club back in 2003 was, was playing in the, the North West Counties League. Their, their local derbies were against sides like Squires Gate and... Uh, <laughs> And the, 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 the rise since uh, Andy Pilly took over as chairman, he, he came in 10 years ago and, and it's just tra- absolutely transformed the place. He's invested both on and off the pitch. Uh, Highbury has been completely transformed, but of course it's, it's the team's fortunes in terms of, of football which have, have really caught the eye. It's a fantastic number of promotions. They've gone through Northwest Counties, Northern Premier, 
Conference North Conference, and and now they're looking to uh, to, to win another promotion uh, out of League Two. It's it's been an absolutely stunning rise, but there are people still at the club who who were there at the outset and are still with them now. With a lot of League Two squads, the uh, the average age of the squad tends to be quite young as well. But you've actually got quite a few experienced players in this squad. Obviously, John Parkin springs to mind. Stephen Schumacher has been promoted from this level before. You've got Ian Hume on loan from uh, from Preston. Is it kind of the right mix of youth and experience, which has helped Fleet would have such a good season? Yeah, I think Graham Alexander's tried very hard to get that right, and his his strategy last summer was very clear that he was going to try and and, and bring in this mix of of youth and experience, he, 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 as well as the, the the players that you've mentioned. He brought in Mark Roberts, who of course has has been there and done this with Stevenage, but he's brought in some exciting young talent as well. Um, Anthony Salcevic, who's who uh, was was playing Conference North football last season for Chester, he's been an absolute revelation and. Uh, and deservedly the club's top goal scorer. So there is a real genuine mix of, of experienced players, players who've been there and done it and who on the big occasion are maybe the guys who are going to show the you know, the the, the value of that experience and, and young and exciting talent that, that he can call on to, to produce as well. Do you think um, this squad would be able to compete at League One level if they were to get promoted? I think we've had a good indicator uh, over this, this season that if they went into League One, that, that they certainly would be able to... Uh, to at least give it a good go, um, they they they've played four um, League One clubs in in the Johnston Paints Trophy on their way to a Northern Area final, uh, which they lost to Chesterfield, and they beat all of them. Some of them those games quite convincingly. They they, they put four past Crew Alexandra. They they had a very very good win over uh, Carlisle United, which was uh, live on Sky, and and they even managed to uh, to uh, to put one over on on Steve Evans and Rotherham who who uh, a day before we go down to Wembley will, of course, be contesting the League One playoff final. So they have, uh, over the season, shown that they can probably you know, punch at that level. How are the ticket sales looking for the final? Because obviously when lower league clubs go to Wembley, either be in the JPT or uh, the playoffs, it tends to kind of bring a lot of extra fans out of the woodwork and, you know, be that be for better or worse, they kind of flood to, to Wembley. Will we see a big uh, Fleetwood contingent? I'm hoping so. I think, you know, the club are very confident that, that they can bring in not just the support from, from Fleetwood that the club's had, but, but invite Blackpool fans and Preston fans. I mean, I'm sure plenty of North End supporters would like to come down and <laughs> Back Graham Alexander, he's a he's a real legend over at D. Well, they're never going to get to Wembley via the playoffs, are they? So, <laughs> well, you know, they might they might have uh, temper time lucky next time, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I think yeah, uh, they, they 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 sold very well on the first day. We we understand that, that they're still going very well, and hopefully, they'll have a really good number when they go down, and, and probably you know a record support for the club when they go to Wembley. We actually had Mark Roberts on the show earlier in the season. We had a, a quick chat with him. It was, I think it was way back in sort of September time or something like that. Um, and obviously, he's a, a key player uh, in that Fleetwood mm. backline. Uh, Burton have got Adam McGurk, who scored twice in the playoffs. They've got Billy Key. They do. They haven't scored a huge amount of goals, but they do have dangerous players up top. Are you are you confident that that Fleetwood defence can be as strong in the final as they have been over these two semi-finals? I think the the back four that, that Graham Alexander's had for the the second part of the campaign have looked absolutely fantastic. He's he's also got this system with, that he can use where he sits Alan Goodall in front of them. Uh, as a holding midfielder, and they they have been really effective. Uh, I must say, it's not just Mark Roberts. Nathan Pond, who who has been with the club all the way from the Northwest Counties, has been absolutely outstanding as as uh, outstanding as Mark Roberts' centre half partner this campaign. 
uh, he's pretty deservedly going to take all the player of the season plaudits up in this part of the world. But uh, I absolutely think that they can stand up to Burton and, and, and give them a good go at the other end. That's Rob Stocks, Fleetwood Town reporter for the Blackpool Gazette, chatting to us earlier. Let's get a view then from the opposing dugout if we can. Uh, Burton Albion's thrilling 2 or draw at Roots Hall on Saturday confirmed their place in the final at the expense of Southend United. Uh, Burton were actually the only side in all six semi-finals to progress despite playing the home leg uh, first and they can seal their first ever promotion to the third tier with a win on Monday. Uh, Dave Broom is a sports reporter of the Burton Mail and he's been on the show before and he joins us on the line right now. Dave, thanks very much for coming on. First of all, tell us about that semi-final on Saturday. It kind of swung, uh, swung both ways, didn't it? Uh, but ultimately, Burton were pretty solid at the back and they came out on top. Yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly deserved it over the two legs. But at half-time in the second leg, I think we all thought it wasn't going to be their day. Um, they, they didn't start well at all um, on Saturday. And it was a huge surprise when they took the lead. And much less of a surprise when they lost it um, before half-time. And at that point, it looked like Southend were going to go on and win. But um, they reorganised at half-time and came out much better. And uh, like I say, I think they deserved it. They deserved their place at Wembley. How much do you think the um, the experience of losing in the playoff semi final last season has helped the helped the team and, and the manager this time going 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 into the game against Southend? I think it's helped them all season. Um, I think last season's semi final was sort of a microcosm of, of their season, you know, um, full of goals but with sloppy defending, um, which ultimately let them down, and that that's affected them over the summer. So they they brought in uh, more solid players and they've been much more solid all season. That's you know, not quite as entertaining to watch, but then they've got to Wembley this time when they didn't last season. And this, this, uh, although there were four, four goals on Saturday, uh, that was something of an aberration for the season, really. Well, that Ryan Leonard goal was fantastic, it was wasn't it? Superb, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Really anything you could do about that. Um, what do you make of this matchup then? Fleetwood Town uh, finished uh, just outside the, uh, the top three automatic spots. The two clubs have played a lot, uh, as we've mentioned recently. How do you see this one matching up? Um, it's a bit of an odd thing, really. Two years ago, they'd never played each other ever, despite them both having quite long spells in non-league. And then in the last two years, this will be their eighth meeting on Monday. Um, so they certainly know a lot about each other. Generally, over those last seven meetings, Burton have had the edge. But, you know, it's a one-off game, so the former goes out the window, really. And as you mentioned before, that this season has seen a, a much more, say, conservative approach from Burton. They've tightened it up significantly and only scored 47 goals in 46 league matches, which isn't much at all, really, but only conceded 42 as well, so obviously very tight at the back. But but Billy Key and Adam McGurk have got over half the goals with 26 between them. So there's no doubt about it who the key players are for you uh, on on uh, Monday. Yeah, there's sort of an odd one with um, uh, Billy and Adam because they've been... Not exactly first-choice uh, strikers. I think at the start of the season, they sort of pictured Rene Howe being first-choice. Didn't we all? Um, but they've, yeah, <laughs> but they've, um, they've become first-choice uh, first um, when they've both been fit. Um, but for the first half of the season, they didn't never really looked good as a partnership. I mean, they were the... They were the top goal scorers and you know, there was a run of matches where one or the other well, would score. That's quite interesting because Billy Key didn't actually start, did he, on, on Saturday? Um, no, he came no. on, was it half-time he came on? Uh, do you think they'll both play from the start on Monday? I would expect so. I, I wonder if some of, a part of that was um, that um, just, just resting him, possibly, because um, he didn't have a bad game in the first leg. He, when um, Ian Sharps got sent off in the second half, Billy Key was the player who was sacrificed so they could bring on an, uh, another defender. 
And I wonder if he just maybe wanted to try something new. Um, Dominic Knowles, who played instead of Billy, has, um, has, has shown some good, good, good touches in certain games. He's still quite young. Um, but I would expect... Um, Billy and Adam to start on Monday, yeah. Uh, one player I wanted to ask you about uh, is Chris Hussey because uh, I'm a Berry fan and we had him on loan uh, towards the end of the season and he was excellent for us. A lot of our fans, I think, want to bring him in if possible over the summer and we hope that that would be a possibility. But then he got recalled from his loan. He's played in the two semi-finals and he looked absolutely brilliant on Saturday. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an odd one with Chris. Um, he was fantastic for Burton at the start of the season. The fans were over the summer were bemoaning the selling um, Jack McGomer and then within like three games, they were like, they'd forgotten about him because uh, Chris Hussey was so fantastic. But he very quickly went off the boil. You know, he scored three goals in his first four games and then never hasn't scored since. Which, you know, for a sort of left-sided player isn't the end of the world. But he, he didn't really look like he had the same quality or desire. So they, they let him go out on loan um, and then brought him back because of all the injuries. They lost back on their left winger, which are two positions that he can cover. So they brought him back, and the, we gave, we've given him man of match in two of the three games he's played since he came back. And I don't know, maybe he's just one of those players who who has had a real impact at clubs when he first arrives. Gary Rowe obviously has done a, a fantastic job at Burton, but tell us just how much of a job it was for him to pick this squad up after the disappointment of last year and kind of get them to go again. Because there are a lot of teams we see, you know, make a advance into the playoffs um, they suffer defeat and then they struggle again you know it's another two or three years before they can make North, another Northampton, yeah. concerted challenge yeah Northampton yeah. being the perfect example so you know how, just how important has that kind of uh, motivation been from him this year uh, yeah I think it's been I think it's been really important I mean uh, Burton aren't the biggest club in the world by any stretch of the imagination and I think having to do it with a completely different team as well I think um, three or possibly four at the most of the players who started in the semi-finals, um, played in last year's playoffs. Um, so you know that's eight players, eight different players. So it, it's a new team, it's a new philosophy, um, and I think he, he realised that he needed to do that. That he couldn't just go again with the same team and hope to do it again. He had to try something new, and it's it's worked. Dave, two more questions from me. Uh, first one is Zeli Ismail. Um, is he going to be fit for Monday? He's he's very very doubtful. Um, I would say at most he'd be on the bench. Um, obviously he didn't make it at all on Saturday uh, and he might not make it at all again which would be it would be a huge uh, miss for Burton you know he, he brings something him and Adam McGurk are probably like most technically play, gifted players at the club so when Zelly's out they do miss him and in terms of, uh, sort of supporters going down to Wembley how many tickets have, have Burton sold do you know because it's quite an interesting match up this because these are two teams that have both spent quite a large part of the last sort of 10-15 years in non-league not massive clubs how many fans do you think Burton are going to bring to Wembley for it uh, I'm not sure how many tickets have sold so far um, we're, we're speaking to the chairman uh, tomorrow and I think we're going to do a bit of um, help him do a bit of a drive because obviously Derby got to the playoffs yeah. as well and there's a lot Derby fans in Burton and some Burton fans in Derby and obviously Derby have sold out their tickets uh, they sold out within something like 50 minutes I think and they got some extra tickets and sold those out as well so we're going to try and persuade Derby fans who've missed out on a ticket to Wembley to come and support Burton instead but um, yeah I mean it's not a huge town so I don't know if they'll sell out their allocation or not um, in that respect David hope it all goes well on Monday thank you very much for coming on no problem. Take care, mate. That is uh, David Broom, sports reporter at the Burton Mail. Right then, DC, you're actually going to this game. I am. Who are you most looking forward to seeing in action in this one? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Burton, really, because they're a team that I have sort of followed all season after 
having a bit of money on them at the start of the season. I was really impressed with them, with them last year. As you mentioned, they've changed tacks like this year. They haven't been as exciting, haven't scored as many. I mean, they scored some spectacular goals last season, didn't they? The likes of Magoma and, and Calvin Zola. But, you know, I, I guess Billy Key and Adam McGurk are the two players from their side that I'll be looking out for. McGurk's impressed me over the two playoffs. Key's impressed me over the last few years. He seems to be a player that's got ability. He, I mean, he doesn't look much of an athlete to me. I don't know whether that's sort of something that he can really needs to improve. He's going to take a step up with Burton if they do manage to get up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Burton and they're the team that I'd, I'd prefer to see win, really. But having said that, you know, Fleetwood, they are a strong side. Uh, Sarsovic, who got in the team of the year, is a player that I'm, mm, I'm, he's got I'm, some looking, great goals I'm looking forward season. to seeing live. I've not seen him play live before. Uh, they, you know, but Fleetwood have scored, what is it, uh, 19 more goals than than, uh, than Burton. So, you know, maybe that will work in their favour, but hopefully it'll be a good game. And you know, uh, criticising Jim for living it up at Wembley early, you're going to be living it up in a box, I believe. I am, yeah. No. Lovely. Hot kettle black. Well, if the Fleetwood fans, if the attendance is, is as disappointing as it as, least, as it as you thought it might be, maybe yeah. I can hop down. At there least the and game I went to is a sellout. Yeah. You're going to go when there's forty thousand empty seats. Um, I can guarantee you, right? I will be in my seat for the both the oh, kickoff yes. and the start of the second half. <laughs> Good man. That's all I can promise. If you see him the, and he's not there, and you see him creeping in, feel free to call him out on that. Um, have we got, I don't know if we've got any odds for this, Jimmy. Do you think the bookies will be are we going for Fleetwood um, and Burton? I'm sorry to drop that on you straight away. One sec. I think probably Fleetwood. Tell me what you think, Fleetwood. I don't think it's going to be much in it. Sure, it is. Yeah, it is very t- actually very very similar to the odds for the um, the League One playoff final. So Fleetwood are the the fans the more fancied of the two. Burton are the outsiders. I think that's probably as DC's already alluded to. Their more superior goal threat, but. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be writing Burton off. I think it would be a good game. I think, whereas the League One player final might be kind of all guns blazing, I think this might might be a little bit tighter, um, edgier early on, and then hopefully, um, but hopefully we still get, a, you know, a, indeed a good spectacle. Um, disappointing for, for Southend, wasn't it? And Phil Brown, um, such a, a great goal from Leonard. They got themselves yeah, level on aggregate. Run. Roots Hall was rocking. They had kind of all the momentum. Um, it was a really and good game, actually. Chance. But they had the chance. Leonard had another chance right at the right end. Right, yeah. Oh, was how close like was, it was that? In. Looked like it was in. And those are the moments. Those are the margins, the fine margins between success and, and failure. But they, you know, they can be really. How's Phil going to take that? Their season. You know, Phil. How's he going to take that? Well, I think he'll be positive about it. You know, he's a very positive guy. Obviously, his reputation is for being a bit of a, you know, a bit of a character. And I think he has got to look at this season and be really pleased with how they've done. You know, they've got the best defensive record in the division. Which is which is something to be proud of, and you know they they came so close to doing it. They had a really good run at the end of the season, which got them back into the playoff picture when it looked like maybe it was going to you know fall apart for them. And you know they're a team that has got to try as as of any team. You know like you know just look at the example of Burton as we spoke about earlier on. Disappointment in the playoffs last season. They come back and and they they seen what they needed to do to improve this season and they've done that. So they're the perfect club to to look at. And what a great second half of the season York City had. They uh, obviously just missed out narrowly. I think maybe lack of goals has kind of cost them. Perhaps in uh, in those particular games have been so good at the back all season I do, I do think it'll be slightly more difficult for them next year to be as strong um, but we'll have to wait and see well done to York on a great season we're going to talk a little bit about Derby QPR in a second right now though let's do my club um, as you know it's a part of the show uh, where we hear from a fan in 125 seconds all to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League and this week the focus is very much on Swindon Town this is We Are Going Up my club in 125 seconds hello I'm Alex Cook and my club is Swindon Town so Alex do you remember your first ever Swindon match when was it where was it uh, Counterground, I've had to look this up, though, check this one. In 1990, <laughs> a defeat to Bristol City 
uh, 1-0. I think Junior Bent scored it, so yeah, that's research. Uh, and over the, the many years of you being a Swindon Town fan, if you had to pick out one player that was your favourite amongst all others, who would it be? Favourite? Oh, God, I'm probably some bit old for favourite players. Um, You're never too old for a favourite player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to say just Glenn Hoddle for his playing ability, because, well, Frankie's one of the best these islands have ever produced, so for him to be a manager to be honest on this feature most people say like Chris James Danny Jones that's probably the highest level (laughs) calibre player we've ever had it's the highest level player we've ever had (laughs) okay um, I always ask about the bad stuff who is the worst manager you've ever had in your time as a Swindon Town fan there is some choice there Um, (laughs) I'd be tempted to say Andy King because he always just kept coming back and back like a clap Um, but he's probably more (laughs) circumstance limited him John Gorman was probably out most out of his debt. Probably Steve McMahon, though. I, I <laughs> yeah, hate Steve McMahon with a ludicrous passion. Uh, and what about this season? Carl, obviously, who is a regular with us, is a Swindon fan, has kept us updated throughout the season, and he seems to tell us that kind of expectations have have been perhaps you know met, if not a little bit more this season. Not that many people thought there would be a challenge for the playoffs, and he just missed out in the end. But it's, it's not been bad. No, it's not been bad. I mean, expectation at the start of the season by many was relegation, to be honest, or possibly flirting with. And then it got to a point about... Including the, including the man who asked the question, by the way, who said uh, Swindon would yeah. be relegated this season. I think I, I, yeah. think I said did. 14th or something. <laughs> um, I'm going to sound like a terrible hipster. It was interesting. We played a lot of good football. We moved the ball around. And they were very young. They faded physically. They faded mentally. And there was a degree of indiscipline, but they were... Very good to watch at times. Alex, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. Thank you. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. One more to go. Just one more My Club to go. If you want to be the fan on the last ever one at Wagyu Podcast on Twitter, send us a tweet or email via the website wearegoingup.co.uk slash contact. You can be part of podcast history, folks, next week on the last show of the season. OK, we are going to talk about uh, Derby against QPR in a minute. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Cambridge United, who after nine years away... First team I went to see, Cambridge United. Really? Yeah. Against Leicester? No, when they're in the old uh, League One. That's the oh, first well. game, yeah, before a Leicester game, I went to a Cambridge United game. Wow, well, your boys did it. Um, <laughs> Will there be any rivalry between Oxford and Cambridge oh, yeah. in, the, in the style of the boat race? I would think so. Season? I would definitely I think so. I'm not sure of the footballing rivalries between the two. Cambridge won 2-1. There's a big... Uh, is there a big right? No, there's a big rivalry between Oxford and Swindon, isn't there? There won't be one between Cambridge and Swindon. It's quite that. a long way, isn't it? Uh, Cambridge beat uh, Gateshead two-one at Wembley to return to the Football League. Liam Hughes of uh, a header at the back stick and a belter of a goal from Ryan Donaldson of Freak. It's a great vine doing the rounds on Twitter of the, the, the bench going up as that goes in. And uh, Luke Chadwick played for Cambridge. Uh, he's now thirty-three which is quite scary in itself. Um, and uh, it's quite an interesting story. There's a good article on the BBC Sport website about that because Cambridge is hometown club and he decided to leave MK Dons to drop down to non-league to try and get them promoted. And all, yeah, all his play. kids were there and, and stuff. Jack Lester scored for Gateshead. I thought he'd retired. Jack Lester? <laughs> yeah. Got a compilation. Uh, um, com- what do you call it? Com- consolation. Consolation. Not a compilation. Yeah, compilation goal. make a wonderful compilation of Jack Lester goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, well done to uh, to Cambridge. It's a shame we're not going to get the Hartlepool Gateshead derby. Is it a derby sort of? Um, I think we'll live. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. <laughs> That's good. Um, At I- DCW on Twitter yeah. in case you want to uh, yeah. use paid for that. D underscore C. Yeah. <laughs> right, a transfer, bit of transfer news. Alan Smith has gone to Notts County. I know. 
Still doing the ride, you know? Do you know? I just, I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I just, right. just saw it earlier just on. Today on the it's, order. Interesting yeah. move that. He's going to be a, a bit of a coach there. I mean, a- you look, you must look at him, Alan Smith, and he, you know, he's still knocking about, still playing, and you know, fair enough. Obviously, he wants to play, but you know. He could have easily retired, couldn't he? You know, with yeah, the yeah. injury problems that he's had, and you know, fair play. I'm, I'm Sean Derry. But he had that horrific injury at Anfield, didn't he, yeah. in the FA Cup years ago? He did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what you said about Sean Derry? Well, I just you know, it's a, I think it's a good, you know, good potentially a good move from Sean Derry there because he's he's a player that you know is very experienced and can help any young ones they've got. I tell you what, it's a good move. Barry snapping up Ryan Lowe again on a on not, a two year deal. Not finances, mate. I know. Well, it's uh, just, well, incredible. We we signed two brilliant players, Nicky Adams, who we sold to you to Leicester years yes, ago, yeah. who's been uh, who's been at uh, Rotherham actually in the in the League One. A lot of Championship clubs were potentially after him. Obviously played well for Crawley uh, in League One, so he's dropped down and uh, and. Uh, and the uh, the prodigal son returns. My Ryan Lowe promotion poster from 2011 has been dug out of the drawer. It's back, <laughs> on, the, off and it's back on the wall. This would be the equivalent. Who's your, like, who would this be the equivalent of Leicester re-signing? Uh, probably Heskey from my era. Okay, you know someone like that. Muzzy, is it? Watch this space. Heskey's oh. left. He's left Newcastle Jets. Yeah. He's back <laughs> yeah, in the country. and He wants so. a new club. Mate, hey? we might we might bring in him. In. We seem to have all. The, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the inevitable administration in about five years' time. <laughs> I'm just going to try and enjoy I it. Till then. The equivalent for Watford would have been. We've had this quite a few times. I suppose Helgerson, when he came back a few years hmm. ago, scored two and, and set up one, one on his return when he joined us on loan. Or, or Tommy Smith coming back in success yeah, yeah. a second time. Well, but a player who yeah. scored 20 goals in League One for a relegated team last season. Or, of course, Luther when he came back from AC Milan. You've got to, uh, you've got to fancy him to do well with that. Mayer and, and Adams on the wing. But, do you, but do you, I mean, how you much longer can he go on for? I, mean, well, I don't know. It was superb this season when, yeah. you know, when you perhaps thought he, his legs might have gone, but... You know, yeah. with each season that goes on, League Two level, I think he'll still score, yeah. score goals. Very excited! I'm so excited about next season. You I want to start to text now. me about this. You're that excited. I want it to start no, now. I need to tell someone. Um, okay, right. Let's. Uh, well, two more things. We'll, we'll come to the uh, the player you saw on the plane. Yeah. In a second. A little further clue for you. He is related to the playoffs. He has scored a winner in a playoff final. Okay. Hmm. narrows it down okay um, Derby against QPR is the, the big game of the weekend sorry for not really paying too much attention to it on the show this week but we did kind of do 20 minutes on it last week uh, it takes place on Saturday final thoughts on this one you have talked Derby up all season yeah. and how much you've enjoyed watching them do you think they're just going to go out and deliver when it matters I hope or so. have you got a little little suspicion that QPR might, I, might do it I really wouldn't write QPR off because you know they do, they do have those players. Despite some of them relatively underperforming this season, I think you you got to look at Charlie Austin and and Ravel Morrison. So those are the two players that could seize the moment and they could win this game. And it it you know it would just be typical sort of Harry to pull it out of the fire when <laughs> he's been maligned so much this season and people think that maybe this is it, this is it for him. He'll leave and retire or whatever. Maybe could be seeing him once again in the Premier League next season. But then it'll be a great story for for Steve McLaren. You know, to win at Wembley, the scene of his greatest, you know, uh, of his most famous failure, the Wally with the Broly. I mean, I suppose he, he'll be hoping for a nice su- sunny day on Saturday, won't he? But no, it'd be great for it'd be great for him if they get up. And I hope Derby get up because I've been really impressed with them this season. Jim, I'd like Derby to go up so there's a close away game Ooh. next year because our closest away game is probably going to be like Villa or somewhere. In oh, my heart bleeds for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. This is what happens when you go from the Championship where there's loads and loads of Midlands yeah. clubs. Um, there's, yeah, I'd, I'd like them to go up. Obviously, as a Leicester fan, the natural inclination is to wish them to fail, but I'd like them to go up so we can play them next year. Uh, what decade did he score the winning goal in? Was it 90s or noughties? It was noughties. Noughties. Winning goal. Championship. Championship. Championship player. Neil Shipperley. No, he would have filled about th- three yeah, seats. He, so, would he? he would have been down at the front with the extra legs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, what else? Who else? Uh, um, 
Give us a clue. Is it what, recent, late noughties? Latter half of the noughties. Latter, yeah. right. So that, you're talking Watford in 2006. Oh, uh, Stephen Pearson? No. Derby? No, no, no. no, no. Two, 2008. You're getting, getting there, but. 2008. Oh, come on, Jim, help me out. Um, 2008 player final. Uh, that would have been. Uh, is it definitely late? Is that is it definitely that player final? No, I don't know. 2009, oh, maybe. Just guessing, aren't we? Um, I can't remember. It was 2000. And, I know 2010 was Blackpool Cardiff. 2009 would have been I think where I was living at that time <laughs> don't know mate need another clue so the team that he scored the winner for it doesn't play for anymore but they have subsequently since returned to the Premier League after oh, going up uh, Wade Elliott down. correct Wade Elliott what was yeah. he for, so, well that was Burnley Sheffield United in 2008 mm. so um, yeah what was he doing there I, I didn't speak to him, no. Okay. But I, I noticed him as I, I was going to the toilet and he came in after me and I thought I clocked him. I thought, he's, he's a footballer. What are isn't you he? doing here? He's a footballer, is he? Which one is he? And then I sort of wrapped my brains, thought about it, and remember, then remembered you can't get on with verified Wikipedia it with a phone. Quick, yeah, exactly. Verified he, he pro- it with a quick Google image search for upon landing. He probably, he probably, upon landing. He yeah. probably thought, uh, what's Patrick Bamford doing on my phone? <laughs> <laughs> it's got a big game on Saturday. Um, next week is our last show of the season. Thank you very much for listening all season. Next week we're going to play our pre-season predictions which is going to be very interesting to Goodness see me. Uh, how we got on this year. So uh, we've, had a, couple, had, my worst we've had a couple of emails from people who are already looking forward to that. So uh, next week on the show, you'll oh, hear our no. pre-season predictions. And I think all four of us are going to be in the studio for a kind of end of season look back. Uh, we'll look at the, obviously the three player finals and just talk a bit about the season as a whole. I think that's going to be out on Wednesday next week. So uh, that'll be out, yeah, this time next week, I imagine. Uh, when cool. you're listening to this, uh, if you want to check out the SoundCloud page, it's soundcloud.com slash Wagyu podcast. Uh, read the blogs. Um, uh, there's lots of uh, end of season blogs as well on there we are going up.co.uk and if you'd like to take advantage of that audible offer it's still there you can have it audible.co.uk slash going up good luck to everyone in the playoffs uh, this weekend and we will speak to you in seven days time this is the we are going up podcast we've got the football league covered (laughs) 